Welcome to Mercer's podcast series on the new shape of work. I'm Kate Bravery, Mercer's advisory and insight leader. And today I'm joined by Moritz Kippenberger, who is the head of HR services at BMW Group. Welcome, Moritz. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm really excited about today's interview because we're going to be tackling the question of how HR needs to radically transform the way it operates if it's to survive during the post-COVID world of new expectations around work and working. And I think this is a really critical topic for many of us today as we begin to face the prospect of increasing inflation, concerns about recession and a tight labor market. The need to focus on the employee experience and ensure that the jobs that we have today are not just attractive for the current talent that we have, but the future talent we need. And I think that's an issue that's certainly on, on my mind and uh, many of the leaders here at Mercer. Moritz, let's dive in. You know, auto is an industry which couldn't go fully digital for obvious reasons during the pandemic. And it's one that certainly was exposed to supply chain issues. So maybe we could kick off with you sharing with us what the last two years have been like and the mark that they've left on employees and executives' attitudes towards work and working. Well, thanks, Kate, for asking the question. I think, you know, the last two years have really been special. I think if we think back in time, it, it has always felt in a way that the moment that you're living in is always the most dynamic. Uh, but also during the last two years, it has really been accelerating, not just a little bit, but tremendously. And there's so many great examples how, you know, within a very short period of time, everybody's gone remotely and so many other things have changed. How customer behavior has been impacted by new offers and how our lives have gotten more compl complicated during that time. And the same applies to the automobile industry. It was one crisis after the other, and we didn't know what to expect. And I think that has really impacted everybody. Uh, I would always start with myself. You know, maybe the biggest learning for myself is, you know, to be more humble. I've made so many assumptions on how the future is going to be uh, developing. And I've been off so many uh, times. And I think uh, also it has brought uh, bigger changes for employees and managers as a whole. People really appreciate it the flexibility uh, that the pandemic and the environment has brought and changed uh, what normal work looks like. And they have experienced that work can be different. Uh, and I think that has uh, changed significantly. And now we are almost at a point where people feel that there is entitlement to, uh, to the new way of work. And I think that's becoming a greater challenge also for the industry and how we're going to develop the working environment of the future. Um, we still see a huge diversity on how companies are handling this. Uh, just this week, I think Elon Musk has announced uh, that he expects everybody to be on site 40 hours a week. And then we see other industries uh, where you know, remote work becomes an attractor for new talent and how people appreciate the flexibility to have um, decision on where and when uh, to perform their job. Yeah, absolutely right. There has been uh, a lot of new expectations come out of the new ways of working, which started off by necessity, but are now shaping people's views on the future of work. And we do, even in our own data as well, see a big divide between um, executives' views about 
how work gets done, how learning happens within their organizations and, and what feeds their culture. And the workforce, which is saying, actually, we see a lot of benefits from working flexibly and we want to retain a lot of that. Obviously, not all roles could be done from home. So I'm interested to hear a little bit about how you enable flexible working for people whose jobs couldn't be fully digital. There is no one size fits all, at least not for uh, for a business like ours that depends on physical presence. Uh, it always connects to the role. And I think everybody needs to find their individual optimum based on their responsibilities on what is feasible and what is the best setup uh, for, uh, to become most effective in outcome. And then to create a corporate culture that really allows for that kind of difference. As we have had all bets are off because we're in a pandemic, we absolutely needed to pivot. And now reconciling some of those expectations with, with, with how we want to grow our business and culture, I think is, is, is sort of at the nub of what are some of the equity issues that you've been embracing as you've been adopting these new ways of working? I do think this is a bigger challenge uh, because it, it, even, even redefining what is fair uh, is becoming a challenge, you know, uh, if, if our blue color workers, if everybody in the assembly needs to be on site, how can we allow leadership team to work remotely or even service department and really define to create a culture where everybody feels embraced and everybody feels treated fairly, but it really connects to the role is becoming a new challenge. And that's an ongoing discussion. And honestly, we don't know yet where that's going to leave us. In the end, you know, I believe that that we found ourselves in a good starting position because we always had a remote working policy uh, that depended on our leadership team and uh, the staff agreeing on the best avenue uh, to perform and to identify which part of the work can be done remotely and what necessities we have to be on site. So we always had that philosophy that doesn't create uh, clear boundaries on, on what's best, uh, but it will evolve because people have also recognized we've had good profits during the crisis and the outcomes were great, but is, is that only a temporary thing or is that something that is sustainable? And it will take time to find that new norm. Uh, I think for most of the companies, but especially for those that do have uh, jobs that have uh, a need for physical presence. So interesting, in our global talent trends research, we certainly do see that there's a real concern about talent that joined during this period. And one of the uh, things that have called out is how did they get connected to the culture when they were, were hired digitally? And I do think that that is a, a real challenge when we're onboarding people. But I also think the new technologies that we have brought into play put a lot of pressure on managers. And Maritz, I know that's something that we previously chatted about. Do you want to share a little bit about the a number of new technologies that you have brought in in terms of ways of working and, and some of the impact that's having on leadership? When, when the pandemic started, we didn't even have the computing power to, to bring everybody online with video broadcasts and everything uh, that is needed for good collaboration. We're learning to embrace new technologies, new collaboration technologies that we're introducing. And obviously that, that needs kind of a, digital uh, uh, new learning to, to use those new technologies, got comfortable with it because they extend beyond the regular office solutions that we had in place prior. 
And that's probably going to be a learning curve that's going to continue maybe in another year or two. And then if we think of the long run, it's really uh, making the working environment almost independently of where you are and making everything accessible online. Uh, that does need new technologies, easy things like e-signature and making sure that we can create end-to-end -end processes that do not depend on physical presence. So it's a lot of things that are happening at the same time to really make the most out of the new circumstances uh, that we find ourselves in. A lot of rapid learning happening there, but also the roles of employees and leaders are changing in front of your eyes. What's been some of the feedback about how people have embraced that change and um, any implications that might have for how HR partners with the employees? The biggest finding is really how people appreciate the freedom uh, to be part of decision-making, how and where to perform. But beyond that, I think there is a larger implication, and maybe that's even a privilege of, of my responsibilities. Sometimes I feel that I can see the future because what we experience in HR service as a B2E uh, business is almost uh, lagging what we see in a customer environment happening right now. And, and there is less of a competition in pricing but more of a competition and convenience. And, and a lot of business models are evolving to make people's life easier. And I think what we're seeing there will be the future expectations also within the business. So it's kind of the privilege that we see this coming, but we need to be ahead of the curve. Just performing services the way we do today will not lead to the same level of satisfaction in the future because people will have different expectations. And there's also a big opportunity for the business side uh, because we can give people time back to focus on their job. And, and I think it can actually improve performance of the organization because the more we can take complexity away from the employees, um, the better will be the outcomes. Mm. I love your point there about it's the responsibility sort of of us in HR to ensure that flexibility can work for all. And that finding that those that were involved in the decision-making process um, actually had some, some higher engagement scores. We've been talking a lot at Mercer at sort of how that traditional loyalty and engagement contract is, is now much broader. I think at the moment we're, we're sort of in a thrive contract where we're all trying to get people recovering from this period and we're thinking more broadly about the employee value proposition. But, but similar to what you were saying with customers and the move from pay to convenience, I also think that Thrive contract's becoming more of a lifestyle contract because those expectations do shape what people want from the world of work. And you, know, you can't sort of reel that back. Um, and I know previously you shared a lot about how you stayed ahead of the curve by, by looking at those customer trends and saying, what is the, the employee trends that might, might come out of it? But obviously challenges HR because the way you've been describing things is a situation of constant change, different populations having different expectations. And as you mentioned just at the end, they're rising complexity in the way we do work and the tools that we have. That's a lot for the HR team to respond to. Could you give us a little bit of insight into how that's challenged maybe your HR model or your mindset around how you partner with the business? I think we do have a significant need to rethink our business model and our delivery model 
on uh, how we create an environment that uh, allows for great performance. And uh, as a service organization, we've always had the employee in the middle of our delivery system, and we've always tried to provide the best possible service. But even with all the innovation that has happened over the last 10 years, it's worth take two steps back and not really think the business model uh, from the perspective of the employee, but really get engaged with the employees and really investigate their needs. Um, because in the end, HR is always going to be a complex organization. But I do not believe that there is any need um, to, uh, to give that com uh, complexity that we have within the organization to the employee. So we need to find a new setup that takes all the complexity away from the employee that has a single channel of entry for everybody uh, and really allows them to access services when and where they want to have support in a very easy way, the same way they're experiencing this now in private uh, consumer areas. Um, and I think that that is a large opportunity. And I think it's also a big challenge for HR because we've constantly been involved, evolving and with minor changes. But I think now it's necessary to, to rethink the larger model and, and really focus on the employee needs. Your driver there to reduce complexity, I think is something we're all challenged with. <laughs> um, would love to hear how you've approached that, because I know you have been through a substantial transformation. Um, could you give us some insights to, to how you approach that and how you reorientated the activity of HR? Well, actually, we have given ourselves really some time and, and I'm also very thankful that we had the support of MERS in the process. But really, uh, what we're, the starting point of it, everything is the employee journey. And, and that's a very generic word that is it's easy to, dis, uh, to talk about what but you really got to remind yourself what is uh, the employee journey and the employee experience. And in the end, it's the perceived interaction between the employee and the organization. And uh, we kind of started with an inventory and tried to uh, go through the different steps that somebody experiences in their employment, how they engage with the recruiting team, how they engage with the service team, with different faculties, uh, within HR, and basically what we recognize is that to access the service from the organization, you really need to understand today the complexity and you need to understand who is responsible for what. Uh, so we've come to the point where we think this is not going to work any longer, and we have together with Mercer created a target interaction model that really simplifies everything starting from the customer and really being customer centric and saying, you know, what the customer really wants, what the employee really wants is just one point of, ac of access. Um, I'd love to hear any lessons that you have to share uh, with our listeners today on, on how you've managed that transformation and any pushback maybe you've had from your internal team that you've had to mitigate during that period. Yes, when it comes to change, um, unfreezing as they, as they say in change management to really recognize the need for change and to not find the reasons or not just look for the reasons why things couldn't work, but really rethinking our delivery model. That is, uh, that's a huge challenge. And talking to some of the other market participants, uh, we also get the feedback that 90% of the change happens within HR. 
and mm -hmm. that uh, the customer, the employee is happy as long as they get great services when and where they want it. So interesting when you flip that that mindset around where the customer is and um, how some of that technology that's enabled us to add more to leadership load sort of comes back to HR and, and looks a bit different. Ritz, I'm interested to hear how expectations, particularly maybe leaders' expectations, has changed during this period and what implications that has for how we think about how HR interacts with that audience. And if we look back, we've really implemented new technology over new technology over a period of time, uh, trying to make leaders more self sufficient and give them more access and, and more ability to manage their own things. But if we now look at the situation, we have leadership roles that are managing 20 systems sometimes, and more and more is becoming administrational. And sometimes you feel like leadership is more of a burden than a privilege. And if we want to um, get the best people on the job, we really also need to make sure uh, that it is an attractive job and that, that it is about leading people and not managing systems. And I think there is huge opportunity. Also as a service department, you know, we've been working so strongly on the question of how can we uh, manage everything with the existing resources or even free up resources for more value adding services. But at the same time, we also need to look at if we are able to give just a single hour back to an employee, uh, the, the leverage that we have here is so much bigger for the business than just freeing up a few resources within HR uh, services, but really creating new time and a different focus on the actual value of the job that we have both in the leadership teams, but also for experts. I think your comment there about, we need to make sure that leaders, leaders feel that it's a privilege to be a leader as opposed to a burden and really taking a good look at that technology load that we've added on in the last year. I think it really does challenge um, some of those new technologies that we have adopted and, and the implications on work. All right, Maritz, um, you know, we are, Maritz, we are heading into our last question uh, of our time together. Um, I'd love to hear with your futurist hat on. Um, where do you see the future of work? What are some of the challenges that HR needs to be prepared for? My strongest belief is that there is not going to be a one-size-fits-all what we're gonna see is a strong competition on business or on different models and how they're gonna evolve jobs. So it's not as much gonna be around salary uh, and benefits, but really uh, creating jobs uh, that, that fit to the marketplace. And I really believe that there is gonna be a strong competition uh, to be most effective, but also to, uh, to get access to the biggest talents and recognizing the individual needs of the employees and people in the labor market. Well, listening to you today, I hear a lot about how much you have been listening to the market, how much you've been engaging individuals in designing their own future of work. Um, and it's really exciting, I think, where HR is headed in this new uh, customer-focused service delivery model. Thank you for sharing all your wisdoms today. Um, certainly the ones that stuck with me was your finding that those that are involved are the ones that are most engaged. Um, your comment that we need to be aware that our competitors are competing on innovative ways of working. So we need to um, understand that because it is an attraction factor for new talent. 
And don't be a fish in water that doesn't see some of the complexity. We see that coming through in some of our, our surveys. And it sounds like at BMW, um, addressing the employee experience and complexity is at the heart of your transformation. Right, so thank you so much for giving us some time today. Uh, really enjoyed uh, hearing your story and some of your insights and learnings from this period that we've all been through. Listeners, thank you all for tuning in. If you're interested in transformation or other topics associated with the new shape of work, please do visit our interview series on mercer.com. Thank you for joining and wishing you a great rest of day. Mm-hmm.